Welcome, everyone, to another installment of the BC Counselor's Legal Brief, the legal podcast that provides easy-to-understand information about estate and business planning to help you, your family, and your business. And now, the jovial gents of jurisprudence, Mike Betts and Spencer Chaffin. Welcome back, everybody, to another installment of the BC Counselor's Legal Brief. I am Spencer Chafin, and I'm here on time, and I've got my colleague here, Mike Betts. Mike, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. Thank you. Now, uh, you know, Mike, love what we do. We do estate planning, business planning, some consulting, but we also get a lot of questions that are outside of our, our realm, wouldn't you say, on a regular basis of like... Maybe yeah. for you. For, for you? For okay, you, you keep your blinders on and you only deal with what's related to you, right? Well, I'm an attorney, so I know it all. <laughs> no, you're right. Too, the, the that's, no, that's, exact, yeah. no, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, uh, we don't know it all. We don't know everything. And there's many questions I get asked that I need to go to an expert. Yeah, and, and one of those, usually it's financially related because a lot of what we do is with our estate plan, we're helping people set up things to make sure their assets go to the same place. But but one thing that I've actually gotten here recently quite a bit, even, even from my dad, uh, is social security questions. And I'm like, dude, that's the government. I don't, I don't deal with that. One, it's financial. Two, it's the government. I really don't want to deal with the government. Uh, so, so we are fortunate enough to have a guest on with us. Uh, his name is Noel McGraw, and he is with Vivid Financial here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, and and they, they help a lot of people with Social Security, along with other uh, financial needs. And so, Noel, so glad to have you join us today. Thank you, Spencer, and great to be here. Absolutely. So um, I'll just really kind of jump in it because what what we want to do today, Noel, is just kind of let people get get some good information of what to expect uh, when it comes time for them to maybe file for Social Security, how to plan for it, uh, and maybe plan for around it. Because <laughs> because Social Security isn't, you know, may not be what it's cracked up to be, what you actually think it may be. So uh, first first big question for you is, is when do people or when can they actually apply for Social Security? Yeah, it's, uh, Social Security is a very complex subject. Uh, age 62 is the first time you get an opportunity to apply for Social Security at a reduced rate of what you would receive at full retirement. But how we kind of handle it at our firm, and uh, most people will find this on their own as well, is you have to really take it as a case-by-case basis. Each individual situation is totally different than from your friends and neighbors. So sometimes relying on what your coworker did or what your relative did is not necessarily the way you should go. And there's been a lot of tools that have been created here recently in the last couple of years that help people plan for how they navigate Social Security. So we have a planning tool at our firm called Social Security Maximization, where we literally take in your particular data, file it into the computer system, and it will spit out the best way to go about getting your Social Security, at what age you should take it for you and your spouse. It'll literally plan it a year by year, month by month basis, And that's really the starting point most people should start with is getting a Social Security maximization report done for them. 
as an individual and as well as a couple. And, and when do you suggest maybe people kind of start looking into that? Yeah, really is uh, earlier the better, I would put it. Is uh, We talk about at our firm, as you get ready for retirement, it could be at 57, it could be at 60, but at some point, retirement gets onto your mind, you're looking for that exit strategy, and everybody has a different age, sometimes at 62, sometimes 66. Some people work all the way to 70, but the earlier you can get your handle on when you're gonna be likely to retire, that's when you should start taking a look at what your Social Security will be, because Social Security will be one of the main building blocks for your retirement income. There's not a person, I don't care how much money they have, even the ultra wealthy file for social security and take their social security check. So social security is really a linchpin to the whole monthly income that you'll rely on once you're in retirement. No, for a small business owner, um, what are some of the uh, pitfalls that they need to be aware of? Let's say, let's say they have a, an LLC and let's say it's, it's, Taxes and S corp, and they're trying to right. <laughs> maximize the the uh, savings sure. on paying employment taxes, right. that sort of thing. The, the, t- talk to us a little bit about right. like really how do you get that social security nut, and what right. should you be thinking about uh, as far as a planning tool in the future? Well, Mike, I'm glad you brought that up because this is the the paradox that a lot of small business owners find themselves in is they want to reduce the amount of Social Security tax they pay, the self-employment tax, as we call it, where you ba- you both play as the employer and the employee. So a lot of people will focus on doing that while they're working. The problem with that, of course, is now you're reducing the amount of Social Security credits you have in the system. So when you get ready to take Social Security, there not, might not be a lot to take. So we, everybody's got to make a personal decision, right? We're all in this... Uh, by ourselves at a certain level. So you have to decide for yourself what's your priority. Is your priority minimizing that Social Security tax while you're working? Or is your priority trying to have the biggest Social Security check you can have? And that's a decision, to be frank, you almost have to make on your own, and then you talk to your advisors in the best way to go about that. What we advise people is as soon as you can, there's a link, we provide this to our folks, and they can go to Social Security Administration uh, and get the link is it'll give you a snapshot right now of what your social security history has been, how much you paid into the system based upon your income in the past. It will give you an idea of what you'll receive at age 62, 66, and age 70. And that gives you a sneak peek at what you can expect. Now, a lot of people think, well, if I keep working and I keep adding to the system, is it really gonna, it, will it have a big impact on my check? And the answer really is once you're in your 50s and late 50s, what you have in additional income in those last couple years before you retire is really not gonna have that big of an effect on your monthly check. It's not gonna make your monthly check go way up if it's a lot of money. It's not gonna make your monthly check go way down if it's less money. So getting a sneak peek as early as possible on what your different check sizes will be is a good way to start planning for your retirement. That's awesome. Like, And that's, that's kind of one of those things that no one knows about unless they ask those questions. So sure. that's, that's a pretty cool tool that, that's out there uh, to be utilized. Um, so so you, you alluded to earlier, didn't actually allude to, you said it is, Social Security is, is a building block. It is not the block. What, 
what should someone do besides Social Security? I mean, should they just solely rely on Social Security? I'm going to probably know the answer is no. So, so what, what should someone do uh, to plan for that accordingly? The way we have found over 30 years of being in this uh, business and helping people retire is you really need to start with your current lifestyle. How much does your current lifestyle cost you? Everybody has a different lifestyle. It costs them different dollar amounts on a monthly basis. For example, we have clients that live on $3,000 a month. We have clients that live on $6,000. We have clients that live on $9,000, right? So your lifestyle right now that you're currently in, that you're working and paying for, costs X amount of dollars. And what we provide people is a monthly budget sheet so they can figure out as accurately as possible how much does their monthly lifestyle cost them. Once you figure that out, then you can kind of extrapolate how much money do you need to replace that monthly income once you retire. Because once you retire, you basically become unemployed. That's what retirement is. You're just unemployed and you're gonna have one check, hopefully coming from Social Security. You may have another check coming from a pension, but that's less and less as the years go by for most people. And then the other part of your income, to be frank, is going to come off of your own nest egg. And depending how large or small that nest egg is, we can help you give a formula of how much you can expect. Some people talk about the 4% rule. So simply put, whatever your nest egg value will be at age 66, for example, let's say you're gonna retire at 66, you apply 4% to that nest egg amount and that's how much you will take on a yearly basis. Now, we can make some adjustments to that up or down, but that's a good place to start is the 4% rule on whatever your nest egg is. The earlier you try to figure out what your nest egg needs to be is best, right? Because now you'll need opportunity. If you find out that you're falling short of what your nest egg number needs to be, well, there's a few things need to be done. You either need to save more, you need to raise the rates of return that you get on your investments, or you may need to postpone retirement. And the earlier we can find out the answer to those questions, the better off we all are as far as preparing for it. Awesome. Um, so so I know each, each person's situation is a little bit different, but kind of talk to us a little bit about uh, married couples. How, like... Applying, you know, one is going to be older typically. Uh, so, and then maybe talk a little bit about okay, a spouse has died. I've, I've heard of flexibility of you can claim one or the others in regards to that. Yeah, it's interesting because when Social Security was first established, they had certain rules that have stayed with us the whole time. And then obviously society has changed a great deal. So the way the Social Security system works is you basically have your own Social Security credits that you've earned by working. And most couples now, both spouses, have their own Social Security credits. So what that means that you can claim your own Social Security, where in the past, a lot of spouses, in many cases it was the wife, she would claim a sp spousal benefit. And that's why it's called spousal, because you're not taking it off your own work history, you're taking it off your spouse's work history. Well, when you have a husband and wife and each of them have their own social security history, there are opportunities still, even though they changed the law a couple years ago, there are still opportunities where a spouse can take a spousal benefit on the other spouse and not touch their social security. So their social security is not being used, they're using the spouse's social security 
they're getting a benefit, a monthly income, and then their benefit is still increasing because the longer you delay Social Security up and through age 70, the larger the check becomes. So the more you can defer Social Security, the better off you'll be as far as your monthly check is concerned. So you're right, when you have spouses uh, in, in play, there's a lot of different strategies that can be tweaked to maximize the lifetime income that you as a couple can receive from the Social Security system. And that's where that Social Security maximization report comes into play because everybody's different. You know, you have people that are real close in age, people very far in age, and all of these data points are put into the, into the software package and it will spit out a tailor-made plan for your situation on what's best for you as a couple to maximize the lifetime income from the system. So in, in the case of a husband and wife, uh, and I, I, I just assume just like people don't know anything about estate planning, even though uh, Social Security impacts them all, estate planning impacts everyone, <laughs> the <laughs> folks seem to be the least educated. So I'm going to ask a, probably a very rudimentary and, and silly question. But let's say you have a husband and wife, and um, husband predeceases the wife. Can the wife, once the husband's gone, get access to uh, those benefits, or are they are they lost once right. a spouse passes? Well, it's a, a very good question and one that you know everybody's concerned about. So the answer is she can assume the husband's check if it's the larger check. So the way we kind of explain it to everybody is if you have the husband and wife both receiving a social security check. And doesn't matter who dies first, whoever dies first, one of the checks will disappear, right? Because you're going to go to only one check because there's only one survivor. But the surviving spouse is allowed to take the larger of the two checks. So they can either take the, keep taking their own check if it's larger or continue to take the check of the deceased spouse if it's larger. So the way we have people prepare for retirement is on the front end of retirement, you're calculating both Social Security checks into your household income. But eventually, one person more than likely is going to predecease the other, and you will lose one check. Even though it's a smaller check, it could make up $20,000, $30,000 of household income. And once that check is gone, the surviving spouse pretty much has the same level of bills when you think about it. Real estate taxes are the same, utilities are pretty much the same. So even though your expenses are pretty much the same, once one of the spouses uh, deceases, you will lose income because of that and you need to figure out how you're gonna replace that, social, that lost social security check. Hey, we're gonna take a quick commercial break so that way you can hear from our sponsors but we'll be right back with more legal info to help you your family and your business right here on the bc counselors legal brief this episode of the bc counselors legal brief is brought to you by alfredo robledo certified public accountant pc alfredo has been licensed as a certified public accountant since 1984 and is located in Grapevine, Texas. Alfredo can help with many different tax matters ranging from filing individual and business tax returns, trust and estate filings, as well as bookkeeping services for your business. You can contact Alfredo at 817-421-0720 or find him at grapevinecpa.com. 
name's Kaya, and I'm almost a teenager. I have a real problem. My daddy and my grandfather love pie. For my daddy, it's apple. For my poppy, it's anything lemon. But they won't bring me any pie. I don't think that's fair. They always go to Judy Pie on Main Street in Grapevine, where Miss Judy and her bakers make 20 different kinds of pies and cinnamon rolls on the weekend. But I don't get any. They tell me I can have pie when I'm a teenager. Like pie is only for grown-ups or something. Can someone please call my daddy and my poppy and tell them I need pie? In the meantime, you can go to JudyPie.com or if you're in Grapevine, Texas, visit Judy Pie on Main Street. And if my daddy or my poppy are there, tell them that Kaya wants a piece of pie. And we're back, and you're listening to the BC Counselor's Legal Brief, the podcast providing legal info to help you, your family, and your business. What, what, what is one of your preferred tools? Uh, do you, do you uh, favor life insurance as a mechanism? Uh, I, I, and this is maybe a softball to talk about holistically planning but 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 what what are what what are some of the the generically speaking strategies right. that you favor well as as you guys know in your business everybody's situation is different right so we see people with large pools of money we see people with modest pools of money and everybody in between and then we see people that had carried over employer life insurance for example and they might be able to keep it into the retirement or they have a term policy that they picked up uh, during the working years. So based upon everybody's situation, we will take a look at their whole plan and try to figure out where will that bucket of money come from to replace that Social Security check. So life insurance is a fine way to do that because the one thing that life insurance has going for it, it's not tied to the stock market, real estate market, it's not tied to any investment market. So you don't have to worry about the prices of anything at that time, as well as it's a defined dollar amount. If it's a $100,000 policy, it's gonna pay 100. If it's 500, it's gonna pay 500. And it will pay it with very soon after the spouse deceases. All you have to provide is a death certificate to the life insurance company. So the surviving spouse is gonna receive that money in a relatively quick manner. So life insurance is definitely one way to go. Now, if you have a very large pool of money, and we do run across people that their nest egg is so large that they're really not even using most of their nest egg to live on. It's just extra money is another, just a way to put it. So a lot of those people really don't, they're almost kind of self-insured if you think about it. They have so much money that they really don't need any extra lump sum. So everybody's situation is a little bit different. However, I would once again urge everybody to kind of think through the different phases of retirement. We basically look at retirement in three phases. You got your early part of your phase, we call that the go-go years. It sounds kind of cheesy, but it's the go-go years where you're gonna go and do all the things you've been waiting to do, vacation, things of that nature. And it's gonna cost a lot of money because you know, spending money on vacation costs money. You're gonna have your middle part, which is your slow-go years. That's where you're not traveling as much you're sticking around the house and things of that nature, and your spending level will probably go down. And then at the, if you are fortunate enough and you can live deep into retirement, you're gonna have what we call the no-go years. And that's where you're not going, you're not leaving the house very much, but you might have healthcare costs. So each part of that retirement kind of needs its own strategy and figure out how much it's gonna cost you as best you can. You know, these are all estimates and guesstimates, we understand that, but you have to have some kind of plan in order to handle those three phases. And on the front end, 
expect to spend more money than you otherwise would because every day is basically a weekend, you know, Saturday and Sunday. When you spend most of your money is on the weekend. I like that. So that, that sounds like fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what we're all waiting for, right? <laughs> right, right. Those, uh, those, yeah. those holidays, uh, yeah. basically, where every day is a holiday. What, what, what's, what are your thoughts on long-term care? Uh, right. Products. Sure. Uh, I'm thinking about the the no go years yeah. and, right. and and the the expenses that that might uh, creep up on us. What, 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 I, that, I think it's a little outside the scope, maybe of the sure. social security discussion. But I'm just curious, what are your thoughts? Well, it's once again something that we think you, people need to give a lot of thought to. We had a, a conversation with one of our clients yesterday. His mother just uh, uh, broke her hip, and she's now going through rehab, and he's finding out that Medicare does not cover these expenses. So when you have uh, long-term care expenses, they're not going to be covered by Medicare. Uh, so you have to have some way to cover those expenses. And you can either self-insure or you can buy, and there's lots of different ways to buy long-term care insurance. But the way I think about it and the way we think about it at our, at our firm is, if you want to plan for the long term, if you expect, and we run into many people who tell us they expect to live into their 90s, 95, 100, well, let's face it, we're not going to be in the same physical condition at 95 as we were at 65. So you're going to need some help. Where is that help going to come from? Well, a lot of times when it's a husband and wife, like when my parents, my mom was the caregiver for my dad. But then when my dad passed away, now my mom lives alone, and who's going to be her caregiver? Well, generally speaking, you're going to need to pay for that caregiver. So where is that money going to come from? If you have the money, that's great. If you don't have the money, then we definitely think that's an opportunity to take a look at long-term care. Because these are things that will happen. I think all of us think these things happen to other people, right? Other people need help. Other people die, things of that nature. But if we're lucky and you live long enough, we're probably all going to need help as well. And the best way to get help is to pay for it. You don't have to rely on your relatives. You don't have to rely on your kids, friends, things of that nature. There's a lot of professional services out there like visiting angels, et cetera, that will help you. And to be frank, you'll probably need the help. Spencer, lean on me. <laughs> exactly. When you're not strong, <laughs> I'll be your friend. Yeah, but will you be my caregiver? I'll help you carry on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to make the doom and I'm going to bring it to doom and gloom now okay. since you were being so sweet. Noel, we, everybody's heard the comment. Shoot, I've heard it, and I'm younger. I've heard it many a times. Social Security is not going to be there when I retire and things of that nature. What are your thoughts on that? Well, what, what, can you shed some light on that for us? Yeah, I think that's, as you mentioned, that's the doom and gloom. I've heard that for 30-plus years in the industry. I'm 57 right now, and uh, I just tell people that you just have to go, first of all, you have to go on the facts that are currently in front of us, right? Because everybody makes predictions about everything, and they're yeah. always <laughs> wrong about everything, right? So I think that Social Security for all intents and purposes, will be there because the largest voting block that shows up uh -huh. to the polls every election is the retirees. And they vote on a couple things, Social Security, Medicare, and things that affect them. So I don't see any politician seriously considering changing Social Security much the way it is now. And then the other thing is we have so many people that do rely solely on Social Security. 
the facts and figures, depending on which study you look at, half of Americans don't have $400 to their name. So there's many retirees that go into retirement with zero dollars. They don't have any nest egg. So they need Social Security. So I don't think Social Security will be changed much in any way, despite all of the talk and all the doom and gloom that you hear from uh, other folks. How about funding? Are, are the, the, the dollars being wisely right. invested? Sure. And, and, then, and then again, because I agree with you, I think, I think people, unfortunately, they don't plan and it, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. To, it's, it's, it's just hard to live and right. people rely on, on Social Security. Would, would there be enough, enough sure. uh, money in the pot, uh, say, for, for, for me and Spencer because of all of these darn... Gen Zers that are coming into this yep. this world. The, the Gen Zers are a real problem, guys. Right. As a millennial, I I don't I'm not a big fan of these Gen Zers. So. But, but it's all joking aside, what, what what are your thoughts on that from sure. a from a funding perspective? So we want it in place, right. but will the money be there? I think uh, just from my own personal opinion, just looking at what happened the last couple of years, it's been proven that the government can create as many dollars as it needs to create. It just has to, you know, Federal Reserve System can create like they did it since COVID, trillions of dollars, plug it into the system. I think what, so I don't think the amount of dollars is going to be an issue because the government can literally print whatever it needs. What will happen, of course, is it's going to have the an effect and the effect is inflation. So that's where people have to ask themselves. And that's another concern we should all have is, how many dollars we have is one question, but what will those dollars buy us is really the other question because the government can literally print all that it's want. And I think the government will print whatever it needs to print in order to navigate all of these situations. The problem is all of us will pay for it because there's no such thing as free money. We're all going to pay for it in, through inflation. And that's where we need to figure out for ourselves on an individual basis, am I protecting myself against inflation against the loss of purchasing power and things of that nature. So I, I don't think the dollar amount's going to be an issue, but I do think inflation is going to be an issue for all of us going forward because, unfortunately, we've, we've been painted into a box. We're already at roughly $30 trillion in debt, but we're right now, this is really just the start of all the baby boomers going on Social Security and going on Medicare. And we've never had this before. We've never had the millions of people go on these two programs at the same time the government spends money on everything else. So where is all this money going to come from? Well, they really just can't tax enough. There's just not enough people to tax for the amount of money they're going to put in. So I think we're going to see more printing, more debt, more inflation, and that's an issue we're all going to have to manage for ourselves on an individual basis. That's doom and gloom for you. Hope I didn't sound too dramatic about no, that. Not at all. But but it's it's a reality thing. That's you know? the way I look and at it. It's and that's it's that's just not social security. That right. that affects everybody exactly. on it and off of it anyways. But it but it's going to play a role. Yes. Um so no, what are some surprises that people get on security that or social security that, that they didn't expect right. like sure. Oh, I was maybe expecting this with my money right. or, or this to happen, sure. but no, A happened instead of B. That's a uh, great question is uh, getting ready for retirement and the whole process of going from working every day to retiring 
is really an unusual process, and it takes people several years to get used to the idea that they're retired and they're not getting up and going to work and things of that nature. So it's really, a, you have to think of retiring as a process. But one of the big surprises people receive is on Social Security, when you're on Medicare, you will pay for Medicare, uh, Part B and things of that nature. So, and a lot of times that comes right out of your Social Security check, if that's how you choose to have it. So your Social Security amount is a gross amount that you see, and then you have to account for the taxes and you have to account for the Medicare taxes, right. but those were my tax dollars. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, yeah, let me explain <laughs> about that for a second. Is Social Security is interesting because it has its own rules as it relates to how it's taxed. So, if you have other sources of income outside of Social Security once you're in retirement, IRA distributions, pensions, things of this nature, the way your tax return is set up is they calculate how much income you have from non-Social Security sources. And that affects how much your Social Security is taxed. So for some people who have very little outside sources of money, none of their Social Security is subject to tax. Some people, if they have some outside sources, then roughly 50% of their Social Security is subject to the income tax. And for most people, once you have a, over a certain level of income, 85% of your Social Security is subject to income tax. So there are ways to structure your tax return because what we're talking about is taxable income. So in the eyes of the IRS, there are certain things that are considered taxable income. There are other things not considered taxable income. So even though you can derive the cash flow from some entity, if it's not a so-called taxable event, it doesn't count against your Social Security calculation. So that's a way to kind of manage your tax return. And we believe very strongly that people, once in retirement, really need to study their tax situation. Take out that 1040 form, study it very hard. There's a lot of different boxes on it for, for very good reasons. Different types of income are taxed differently. You need to know which is taxed at higher rates, which is taxed at lower rates, what has preferential treatment, what doesn't have preferential treatment. And the goal, and you see this with the ultra-rich, what do the ultra-rich spend a lot of their time focused on? Lowering their tax bill. Because in retirement, probably next to healthcare, one of your largest expenses will be taxes. So we think that you really ought to focus on your taxes and try to minimize them as much as possible. So we're thinking as much capital gains uh, taxes and tax rates as possible. That's definitely one way. I mean, capital <laughs> gain treatment is very, very attractive versus your highest marginal tax bracket from some people right now is like 44%. Whereas if that was a capital gain, they would only pay 20%. Well, we're talking about a 100% difference in tax rate. That's huge. That's why Wall Street always argues for the capital gain rate to be so low because these hedge fund managers, we're not talking about the average folk who has $10,000, $20,000 in capital gain. If you're a Wall Street hedge fund manager and you have $10 million in compensation that would be taxed at 44% versus you can convince Congress that that $10 million was a capital gain and you don't get taxed 20%, we're talking about $2.4 million difference. That's a lot of money. That's why capital gains is always a, a hot topic. Noel, if, if you could give one piece of advice to our listeners related to Social Security, what would it be um, in regards to planning for it? Yeah, I, th I think studying the subject would be a good place to start because it's something you will apply for. 
it's something you have to spend a little time studying so you understand how it works. So at different at 62, it's 75% of your monthly check, and as you delay it, it goes up. So I think understanding some of the few details about it will make you feel more comfortable about what's going to happen once you take Social Security. So talking to someone who knows something about Social Security is probably a good place to start. Getting a Social Security maximization report done is a good place to start. So at least you have some ideas of what is going to affect you eventually, because if you live long enough, you will be on Social Security. No, how can people reach out to you? Because uh, I know well, folks aren't going to well, do their homework sure. on their own. Well, and I was going to say that person they need yeah. to talk to is Nolan and his team. Sure. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, how do people reach you and your team? Well, we appreciate that opportunity. So if you go to vividfg.com, so V-I-V-I-D-F-G.com, vividfg.com is our website, or call 817 817- Three two nine five zero eight one eight one seven three two nine five zero eight one. That's our headquarters here, and we'll pick up the phone and be happy to help. Man, that's awesome. Noel, thank you so much for joining us on the BC Counselors Legal Brief. Uh, we really enjoy having our guests, and you know, you were right up there with them. And so, uh, maybe we'll have you back on in the future and talk about a few other things, and maybe how the Bears have taken sure, over so. and the Packers have gone uh-huh. down to the yeah. bottom of the barrel. Uh, and you know, we'll we'll all be happy then. Yeah, I would love to have you oh, back. Oh, and, and USC doesn't make any playoffs whatsoever. Oh, yeah. I, my, my bold prediction is next time we, we, we meet, I think USC has a new the, coach. The, the top <laughs> underperforming class <laughs> in the nation. I have a su- suspicion. But, uh, no, it was wonderful having you on. Sorry for uh, our, our producer jumping in with a squeaky voice. He does that on mm. occasion. Yeah. Uh, and I... I disagree with him spitting vitriol to his alma mater USC but you know the facts are the facts that's what it is so so yeah thank you for your time thank you guys really appreciate it and that brings us to the end of another show for more information on today's topic or previous show topics please visit our website at www.bccounselorsatlaw.com while there feel free to let us know what future show topics you'd like for us to cover. On behalf of Spencer, this is Mike, and we thank you for listening. And remember, it's always our goal to provide easy-to-understand legal info to help you, your family, and your business here on the BC Counselor's Legal Brief.